All right, Scott, your lip is finally deflated, but do you know the difference between a bee, a hornet, a wasp, and an ant? Hi, I'm Michael Rick, the Garden Guy. We got Scott with us. Of course, he's the producer extraordinaire, but today we got a special guest. Name is Gary. Well, I'm, I'm, can I spell his last name right? L-O-V-E-L-L? Lovell? Is that the right? Gary Lovell. He's an amateur entomologist who happens to know a boatload of things. And I'm focusing right now, since your lip got overabundance of uh, venom in it at one time, I'm not going to ask how. But it swelled up the size of your head. We already talked about how. Well, okay, but you know, I thought it'd be a great idea to have bring Gary on board to warn you next time, so that you're a little prepared not to put a bottle with a hornet on it. <laughs> I knew it wasn't a hornet. And ju- just so everybody knows, we have an episode from last year, uh, season two, episode thirty-nine, where we talked about attracting bees into your garden. So with me moving over the Miss Mollies and them... Butterfly bushes, for those that don't know what a Miss Molly is. Uh, apparently did well that uh, I did attract bees right to my uh, bottle of beer and got stung. Bottle of beer. So that episode you can go back and listen to because apparently it works. But today we're talking about bees and... Hornets. And you said ants. Wasps and ants. Where are ants? And maybe maybe Gary should answer that instead of you. Well, I'm going to, and I'm going to introduce Gary, All basically. Right, yeah, I brought Gary on board. He's, he's, he's I would want to say, the expert. He's not, uh, um, let's just put it this way, one of those academes. He is an academe, but he's not an academe that's going to get a, uh, a doctorate stating, Mr. Lovell, you are now an entomologist. You may go. No, Gary, uh, uh, Gary Lovell, do me a favor. Introduce yourself. Tell me how long, tell our guests how long you've been interested in insects, frogs, et cetera. And then we can go and tell Scott why ants got added to our little thing here with the bees, hornets, and wasps. Okay. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, My name is Gary Lovell. I uh, started out liking insects probably back in the third or fourth grade and got Insect Life Merit Badge and Scouts in 67 or 68. And I think I got my interest from my grandpa on my mom's side. and It's history. And it, Yes. And uh, so I used to collect bugs uh, for a collection, a butterfly collection. Then I just started raising praying mantises in cages and now, in the now, garden. Back, 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 back up. You said raising them? Raising them, yes. Like most people would raise, you know, with chrysalis and that with the, um, you know, Monarch, butterflies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did have a cage with two praying mantises in it, two females. And normally they are um, cannibalistic, so they stayed opposite each other in the cage, didn't eat each other. I introduced a male at the time that they needed to mate, and uh, this male proceeded to mate with each one, got away without eating, getting eaten, and uh, proceeded to mate with each one again. And um, I've never seen that before or since. However, I have seen now a praying mantis eat the male before they mated, and that was, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be, okay, let's not go there. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, Could be. W- let's go and explain to Scott. I mean, you uh, you and I have talked in the past, and uh, we went to a, 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 an event for a union hall, a, much, a number of unions, and we basically introduced ourselves and discussed certain things pertaining to, let's say, gardening, to, pertaining to, um, well, for instance, you, um, the bees, and I was really enthralled with what you had told me, and I want to be able to bring to Scott's attention what the difference is and how bees, wasps, hornets are somewhat related. To ants. To ants, yes. Well, they're in the group Hymenoptera, and I'm not quite sure what that meant. Um, there's a Greek word, Latin word that means that. But i got to anyway. warn you, we're going to talk basic English here. So... Um, Ants, bees, wasps, and hornets are all in the same order, um, and they're obviously all in different families. Okay. Um, ants do have stingers, too, uh, especially the females, because it's basically a modified ovipositor for egg laying, and that's basically what the stingers are in, in the female wasps, too, because the males do not sting. What? Um, 
They don't not sting. No. You mean the females sting? The only ones that sting, yes. And I'm that, not going. I'm not touching that one. Apparently, I was attractive, and she came over to see me. Yes. And you ignored her. <laughs> you put your lips too close. Oops. <laughs> yeah. No, I want. I want no you beer to, there. Scott's lip has the swollen has gone down. He doesn't have any anaphylactic, you know, reaction to anything other than you know it looked like a softball under. His oh, did nose. it? Wow. I had one with the wasp. One thing. Ooh. So okay. So keep going on what you were saying. Uh, and ants, um, obviously. They don't have wings unless they're the drone or the queen. They go out, mate, do their stuff, start a nest, hibernate, whatever. Um, with regards to um, um, the bees, wasps, and hornets, um, they all have wings. Um, the workers are the ones that do all the worker work in a honeybee hive and a bumblebee hive. Those are the two social bees. Those are called drones, aren't they? Um, well, no, there's workers, drones are the males, and the queens are the, f the females. Oh, they mate, okay. And then, um, with, as with most um, social wasps, hornets, that's paper wasps, hornets, yellow jackets, they all uh, overwinter as a, a queen and start a new nest next year. So, so those are solitary insects? No, these are the social ones. They're the okay? social ones. The all ones right. that have the workers that help. Feed the... The community? Yes. The, okay. The, the whole fam... Family? No, that's how... You works. did that right. That's cool. <laughs> the main bees that we have around here, um, as I said, social... And In the Midwest. There, and there are solitary bees, and those are, you know, just about everywhere. So we have social bees. Yeah. We have solitary bees. And wasps, yes. And wasps. The only social bees we have are the honeybees. The varieties we have are Italian and Caucasian in America here. Then there's bumblebees. Now, there's a bunch of different species of bumblebees. They are an annual also, uh, but they uh, they raise their babies and do the same thing as uh, the wasps that die at the end of the year. The queens go and overwinter and start the next year. The honeybees are the only ones that have to live over the winter because um, they collect honey basically, and they're not collecting it for us. They are collecting it for their babies and the queen so that they can live over the winter at 60 degrees in the center of that hive. That's 60 degrees 60 in the middle degrees. of, let's say it's minus 20 degrees outside? Yes, they are trying to keep that warm well, know for that. the queen. And obviously, you don't want frozen honey, so they have to eat that stuff, you know, keep it warm. And then in the spring, the workers start, well, the queen starts laying eggs for the next season, Right. To, and they have to feed them and keep them warm and everything until it's warm enough outside. Well, you told us that, um, all right, you've got, like, you made mention of the praying mantises and how they made it, but the, the, the bees. All right, let's go to the honeybees first. Which ones mate with the queen? Now, there's only one queen, right? Well. Are there multiples? Okay. Honeybees, when they get overcrowded in their hive, they have to go and swarm. Yeah. So generally they raise a new batch of queens. And they have to feed them a different food than they feed the workers. And once they're full grown, depending on if there's one that comes out first, um, the first one comes out and goes and stings and kills all the rest of them. Because she's really? going to take, yes. And cause, so she's going to take a third of the hive and go somewhere else after she mates. And, you know, she's going to take a new hive or a third of the hive and go somewhere else. And then there's one that stays behind with the new batch and, that's how they swarm they continue and continue. To, all right. right. Now, being so you're basically telling me you've got solitary, you've got socials. What? Now, now since we're going to go through each category and we're going to expect everybody to memorize this, right? Right. Uh, the solitary bees, what are bees and or hornets? Wasps. 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 Okay. Is, is there a solitary bee? There are. There are flower bees, leaf cutting bees, sweat bees. There's... Sand there's bees? Just, huh? Sand bees? Sand, S-A-N-D. So there's, oh. there's some bees that come out of the ground here. Right. They're called, they're usually called minor bees because they're, you know, digging the ground. Sure. Not as opposed to minor and major. They're diggers. Those they're, are the uh, ones that get you when you're mowing. Right. Gr ground bees. <laughs> right there at the go. ankles. Okay. <laughs> and then there's, uh, and, and if you've ever had one of those, those uh, bee houses, 
you'll see wasps and bees using it. I mean, you'll have a mud cap over some of them. You'll have leaves over some. The leaf cutter bee cuts little circles out of roses and puts them in there. And they put a, say if the cell is about this long, uh, three inches long, she puts an egg in there and puts uh, the food from uh, pollen, whatever, that they feed them, um, puts a puts a barrier in there, puts another one in there. So something could be two or three or four larvae in there eating this stuff until they turn into a pupa the following year, and they're all different life cycles that go either over the winter or, or whatever. And in the wasp department, you got the same thing. You've got them putting in spiders or crickets or whatever as their food for the little egg or the larva, and then they block it off. Do they kill them off, or do they go like the cicadas? The cicada? I believe they, yes, they sting them so it's alive, because obviously you don't want to feed your baby a dead thing, you know, no. feed it alive stuff. So, uh, In my little bee house um, two years ago, there's this grass blade sticking out of one of the holes. I'm thinking, what the heck is that? I look in that little book from the ODNR. There's this thing called a grass-carrying wasp. So he carries grass blades and puts them in there and sticks them all out. It looks like a, you know, a half... Um, when you talk about ODNR, you're getting uh, a lot of your information. It's almost like it's a Bible. Um, Ohio Department of Natural Resources? Yes, they put out pamphlets on frogs and toads and bees and butterflies and owls and birds and singer, you know, singing birds and songbirds and raptors and okay. fish you, and everything. You know, there's a whole list online. You can find it. You can get it online and then yes. figure out what. All right. Now, so. being that we've went, we went from solitary bees to... Social bees, um, wasps and hornets. What what the hell's the difference? Their body is a little bit different. If you look at a lot of the wasps, they got a really thin piece between the thorax and the abdomen. Okay, know. for those of us who are listening, I like the way you're talking on this. <laughs> but the thorax and the abdomen these are the these are the two pieces. If you look at a wasp or any insect, well, is the thorax the big stinging part, or is that the no? Abdomen? The thorax is the one with the wings. Okay. And legs. And legs. And you got a head. Yeah. And then the back end is the abdomen, which has the... The stinger. You know, the you know, stinger, the colorful colors to you. Warn call you. it what you want. It's got a weapon <laughs> on it. <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why they're black and white or black and yellow, so they're warning you, stay away from me. I is got it, is it really a warning? That's what they're... That's, that's what somebody tells me. Well, that sounds somebody cool. I mean, when. birds aren't going to want to eat something that's going to get exactly. their, their mouths stung right. continuously. Right. <laughs> okay. So... Difference between a wasp and a hornet? You can. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, well, wasps are. It's kind of hard to describe. They're they're they've got the thinner bodies, the long piece between the thorax yeah. and the abdomen. Hornets are a little thicker, a little closer together. They don't have that gap between the thorax and the and the head. And it's the just thorax basically... and the abdomen. Thorax and the abdomen. Okay. So, but the, the but they both have thoraxes. Yes. It's, it's just that it's, the, the hornets. Is larger, and not necessarily larger, but it's it's basically not as there isn't a, a skinny little piece connecting the two. Correct. You got the ab you've got the abdomen and then the thorax and that's it. Whereas you've got the abdomen, the thorax on a wasp. So, but they got the little little thing there that's connecting both the uh, thorax to the abdomen, and at the base of the thorax you got that stinger. Which ones are more vicious? I mean, do they have characteristics? For instance, hornets. When I hear hornet, I'm running like hell. Right. Well, it's funny. Um, I love hornets. Not it, so much the yellow jackets. The yellow jackets are the black and yellow ones. The white-faced hornets, the black and white ones, striped ones. And f it's kind of funny, after watching them all these years, um, white-faced hornets like to put their nests up 10, 15, 20 feet high. Um, I've almost never found one lower than 10 feet. The yellow jackets, on the other hand, usually make their nests in ground holes from groundhogs or whatever. Okay. Um, but they also make a paper nest down in the there. Ground. In the ground. In the ground. Okay. Or in between people's houses, walls. Um, I've also found them, uh, I think, about uh, six, six, seven feet off the ground. So he was uh, in a position where someone was going to get probably stung if they were cutting their grass or something. You, know. you come so. anywhere near a hornet's nest, they're going to come out and want to protect it? Is it like a sonar no, or radar? Or? I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, it's kind of funny. My grandpa, and I've heard, I've heard people say, 
my grandpa said, you could throw something at that nest and they're going to follow that trajectory back to you. I'm thinking, well, I've never seen that happen because kids in the neighborhood knocked down a yellow jacket nest and nobody got stung. I did because I was standing there watching it. You know, the whole insides fell down and it was sitting there and I'm watching. I'm saying, I want to help you. And I can't fix it. You know, and then one stung me. I said, we were taking siding off of a house that's over 100 years old. And we came upon a nest. I mean, you saw the, the paper in there. Yeah. Um, but I, we didn't know. I'm stupid. I'm a teenager. So I decided I'd go and take the garden hose to it and was, sp- spray it down. Was it li- Would they have live critters in it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, yeah, I ended up d- diving into the creek 100 yards oh, up. Oh, wow. Um, now, Matt is a wet hornet is what. Really, right, if right. you upset them, they don't want to give up. Because I was working eons ago on uh, Scott's wife's lawn service company, and we were spraying things, and I, I was spraying, and all of a sudden I got this excruciating pain on my ring finger, and then it swelled up the size of a pear. Ooh. But there was something still stuck to it, and it was pumping. There was not the, the, the hornet. It was the thorax that was just basically squeezing more venom well, into uh, my finger. So that was probably a honeybee then, because the honeybees are the only one that have barbed stingers. So when they sting it in, it won't come out, and they take off and leave that thing pumping. Really? And so you're supposed to scrape it off with a credit card or something else. Well, it, you know, I didn't have a credit card right. handy at the time. <sighs> probably, that was before credit cards, probably, when you did that. Yeah, this Ugh. is what we were talking about before you came to the... Uh, recording here um scott had a meeting prior with gary to get you know to know each other on this so i was telling gary about my lip and he said well you know what kind was it and jane thought it was a honeybee and he said the same thing it would still be there and i said well there was nothing in there so i said i think it was a yellow jacket so he said well if there's nothing there it was probably a yellow jacket okay if it was Something still in there was probably the honeybee. Scott right. could only see his lip because it swelled outward four feet, <laughs> oh, and he could four, just look down four feet. Yeah, I, n- I never had well, a, I never had a duck bill before. But right. now I know what it looks like. Wow. So, and and all the other bees do not have the barbs, so they can sting more than once, and mainly because um, if you're an annual social hive like the paper wasps or the hornets. You don't want to kill them all because someone's invading your nest. You want to be able to sting them more and more and more so you don't die, you know. But a honeybee doesn't really care, or say doesn't care. But I They're mean, kamikazes. Yes, basically, yes, they're going out there. They're, 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 they're going to protect the hive. And they're going to sting. And, of course, usually there's tens of thousands, not like a little paper nest or a paper wasp nest that only has, you know, a dozen or two um, things on there. So, so I want to clarify something related gardening wise is the dandelions that we leave out in the spring. We don't mow them down. Right. People, right. Are beneficial to the queen that overwinters or the uh, work. Well, it depends on the warmth. Um, In April, you've got iffy weather anyway. So sometimes they come out, but they're usually not coming out till 75 degrees. They usually start their nests in May when they finally find a spot that they want to, you know, make a nest. Okay. The bees that need the flowers are the honeybees because they're starting to ramp up their babies and they're at the end of the season with their honey Mm -hmm. and they need to start ramping up to get more food in here. And of course, they also have to feed uh, the babies bee bread, which is made out of honey and pollen. Each baby grub in a nest is fed royal jelly for the first three days. And I'm not sure that's something that they make up and regurgitate. The queen gets it all her life, and that's why she becomes a queen. The babies, I think, only get it for three days, and then they're switched over to bee bread, and then they're fed that until they turn into a pupa, and then they come out and you know, and they live six weeks and, and whatever. Well, that's but, as long as they live, six weeks? A workers in the summertime, yes. Only a in month the, and a Two, uh, two, a month and a half? Yeah. Oh, those poor So things. that's why they have to have lots and lots in there, you know. And I read something online that said uh, make like 1,000 trips to flowers to make a teaspoon of honey, which sounds uh, ungodly, you know. 
Well, yeah, it's almost I, impossible. I, I, I mean, to me, you, yeah, but, you know, of course they have tens of thousands of bees in a normal hive. And know. she's constantly producing kids, right? Right. So, and you're bringing that stuff in to help feed the kids so that they can right. go and cater to the queen. Right. The end of the season on all the annual bumblebees and wasps and hornets, they're starting to feed the the queen and drones toward the end because they got to go out there and do their stuff and and mate to start over next year. So the honey from a honeybee is basically there the nutrients for overwintering. Yes. And taking care of the brood or the kids. Right. All right. And then basically catering to the queen. Um, oh, boy. Okay, these bees that fly out, collect the pollen, make the honey, are those the drones? No, the drones are the males. Drones are the males. The workers are all females. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. So, um, so the drones stay indoors? And they take care of the yeah, kids and the queen? They're, they're really lazy bums. Are um, they really? The uh, workers have to feed the drones on a, really? on, a, on, a honey, on a honeybee hive. The ones for wasps and hornets, they don't cater to them. They all go out and find their own flowers to, to, to eat. But um, I don't believe the workers in a wasp or hornet's nest cater to them like the honeybees. Like bees, they do have a honeybee. The honeybees. Scott, we're... Are you sure we don't want to edit this out because I don't want to get any ideas into your wife or anybody else's head? That I mean, you're. I, I was going to call you a drone. <laughs> oh, jeez. I do all the work. You're just sitting there. That's okay. Yeah. You're right. sitting there in the chair and I'm a half I'm leather chair. Notes. Yes, uh, yeah. it's it's a blue leather chair. By it's the way, green. it's not green. Uh, Okay, now that we based, we, we're hitting on the basics of what the honeybee is. The solitary bees is a wood borer bee that looks like a, a bumblebee solitary? Yes, it is. It's a carpenter bee, yes. Okay, and what? Do you know how they go ahead and burrow and why they burrow? Well, the same reason everybody. Everybody else is doing right. it? Right, yeah. Might because, as well join the crowd? Wow. Uh, well, you know, and, and I said, I don't know. I don't know what kind of saws and hammers and whatever they use, you know, but they, they go a pretty long, smooth hole, but they're basically putting little compartments in and feeding them bee bread or whatever, uh, pollen, and uh, they do the same thing as the smaller bees. I mean, if you have one of those. But that's for their kids then, right? Right, that, right. I didn't know that. I thought it was just somebody that liked to go ahead and drill holes in wood. <laughs> no, that's what they, they do, just like everything else. Um, uh, like I said, uh, there are so many different sizes of, of um, bees that make the different holes and you know, and, and the ones I got on my bee house are all the same size, mm -hmm. but I have some other pieces of wood out there that I drill different size holes in and you get different size bees. You know, you said you have bee uh, houses or for, for your bees. How close to your house are they or how far away are they? Well, they're out in the garden. Um, they're probably six, eight feet from the house. Do you put them in the garden for pollination reasons or for their own food? And uh, I put them in because I want to see these things. I mean, you know, they're pollinators in one way or another, but the problem is I've I never are, hardly ever see one. Really? <laughs> they make the nest and I and I don't see them. So I come out after dark with the flashlight and I'm poking around in there, and you can see the live bee sitting in there, a live bee in there. I'm assuming over overnighting, you know, sitting in what the, the in the hole in the hole in the hole at the beginning of the uh, really uh, that he must have started. She she must have started, and she's sitting there overnight waiting for the next day to go out and. You continue know, working continue and just, whatever. I'll be yeah. darned. All right. And uh, even I've even had paper wasps go in those same nests and try to hibernate. Well, that's what I want to transition to. From a hornet, from honeybee to the hornet to the wasp. Now, the wasp, what practical purpose do they have in, in, in the, the cycle of life here? Okay. Well, uh, they're, they're, as adults, are, are um, pollinators. Most of them eat, you know, pollen and flowers, nectar from flowers. Um, as, as I said earlier, there are so many different kind of wasps. There's a cricket wasp that eats cricket, you know, that feeds the crickets to the babies. There's a cicada killer, the one that puts the cicada in there for the its egg. I wanted there's, to get to that in a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah, there's, there's spiders. There's a grasshopper wasp. There's a spiders, a mud daubers. Um, those are solitary. Mud uh, daubers are assassins, aren't they? I mean, well, I one landed on my brother's neck when he was about four years old, and he batted at it to get it, you know, and it stung him. Oh, my mm. goodness. I mean, they're ugly black things. Oh, or I the think, beautiful well, black velvet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the blue ones, which are, um, as you said, uh, they um, 
they take over. Excuse me. They take over old um, mud dropper wasps. They don't make their own. They go and drill out the holes so it's in there, and and I think they parasitize the mud dauber, the real mud dauber. They lay like most any of these insects. Like we were talking about the cicada killer wasp. They would go when you say the the which one was it? The blue one goes. The blue and, one called the blue mud dauber um, goes and attacks the black mud mud dauber. Well takes over the nest, drills a hole in where they had already put their babies in there yeah. or an old nest um, and takes over an old nest. Um, I had one in my backyard that's protected from some rain, but there was like 11 holes in it this past year. And I had like a dozen mud dauber, mud daubers hanging around and um, they filled up all but like three of the holes. And those are kids in there. And then they kids basically there for next year. And next year they'll come out. When yeah. you said that they parasitize, um, do they take the regular mud dauber? They sting it so I, it's paralyzed, I, or do they? You know, I'm not positive. I thought they took over the food that the the mud dauber, the regular mud dauber. Okay, it, it would have. They over, basically steal his, it. Yeah, and they put their egg in there instead of you know. I, I I'm really really enthralled on this because initially, I can see you in the middle of your garden. And these guys are fluttering all over the place. They're not butterflies, but they're buzzing around. Um, the cicada killer would have been trying to bring to people's attention. They look like B-52 bombers as right. they fly by. They dig a hole in the ground. And, and they everybody tries to get rid of them. They try to yeah, kill them. I, I know, and I don't know why. At the, it, you know, and the funny thing they're is. They're docile is, creatures. I, if, and it's, it's funny. They look, they look you know, uh, menacing, but. Almost all solitary bees and wasps are very hard to uh, antagonize. Yes, uh, for someone to make them so pissed off to, uh, you know, you can use that no, no, pissed yeah. off's a good word. Right. I mean, this uh, is... to sting you. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've witnessed that. I've never seen any solitary. Actually, I think it was a solitary minor bee that did sting me one time. Well, let me ask but, you this: If you're out there and you see people flailing their arms around, they're going to the go, worst. and that's the worst thing you can probably. do. <laughs> probably. Okay, so it's just basic. especially if you're if you just disturbed a nest, that's even worse. You know, you but, pretend they're not there. You just go and do your thing. Right. We took a video a long time ago. I had a video program where Scott's you Scott used to work at, and we took videos of the uh, cicada killer wasp. And it would dig the hole. It's a female. Yeah. She'd dig the hole. I'd go and fill it back up. She would go back and then <laughs> dig it again. And then I'd fill it back up yep. and she would dig it. I mean, there was nothing that she was going to do that was going to harm me. The only reason that stinger was there, I've even seen them. Have you ever seen or heard those cicadas go? Yeah, that's usually when they're they being caught. carried around. And he's right. hired in a kite because she stung them to paralyze yeah. them. Yeah. She's going to lay the eggs inside of that in the ground right. in that burrow. Right. right. That's her whole intention of, of right. living. She's not going out there to sting you. Right. The same holds true with the black mud daubers or any of those All other ones? All the other ones, pretty much the same thing. Really? The only the only social bees and wasps are the ones that are going to be really uh, nasty because, and, and, you know, we're talking about chasing kids. Now, this is all hearsay for me, but I was watching a yellow jacket nest, and I had found this wasp, and I wanted to put the nest in my collection when it was done at the end of the season. So, and, of course, I had to dig the hole out, but... These guys were coming in and out. They didn't bother me. Every time I'd go over there, I'd take my notes, whatever. And all of a sudden, one day I go over there, and all of a sudden, pew, got stung there, got stung on my knee. Thinking, what the heck? I back off, and I'm thinking, here, one of the kids that I showed the nest location came back with a stick and must Pounded have jammed it, it in there, oh. jammed it in the ground there. And of course, you know, I'm the next one that came by. Someone told me, like I said, it's hearsay that. Those guys chased this kid all the way 100 yards away from the... You know. I believe it. I so, believe it. But I've I've never witnessed that, but someone did. Look, said that. when I took the hose to the hornet or the wasp or the yellow jacket, oh, whatever yeah, the you hell said it they was, chased you through water. I got about 20 stings. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it was like, the, and they fly yeah. faster than hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. So uh, speaking of stings, yeah. Uh, Gary made us aware of the Schmidt Sting Pain Index chart. Is that like a Colvin factor for hot sauce or for peppers? Or oh. seismic, seismic for... Or or F, what's the one for the tornadoes or whatever, F, you know? F5, or, F5, F5, yeah. Or, Apparently or the, that is. I don't know uh, who would go around and let bees sting them just to go and find out what kind of an index it is. That what? was the other thing. Well, this there's four levels here. 
All right. One's ouchie. And four pain levels. And it's, a. am sorry, but this is a terrible index. index. <laughs> I mean, pain level one, feeling only slightly pain. And then it goes into a bunch of description, description that means nothing to me <laughs> as somebody in pain. pain it, it talks about most likely it would be this bee or this wasp. Oh, wow. But, you know. It's, it's, I don't know. Does he list the bees? Uh, or what? Yeah, but he says pain level two most likely is a yellow jacket, oh. Asiatic honeybee, or a uh, trap jaw ant, or a bald faced hornet. Yeah. So. Well, then level two is the only thing I can, I would, I wouldn't it, even tolerate that. Well, and the, the funny thing was when my lip got, I mean, <laughs> it, it was. I'm sorry. It, I, and I don't have reactions, but this year I've been stung twice, and this is the first year I've had a reaction. The ground bee made my leg a little bit red, and then these yellow jacket that blew my lip up. I mean, yeah, I could feel the literally the, the swollen lip move from right to left as it just oh, wow. grew and grew oh, and grew. Wow. But the, the actual sting was only painful for you know. 10 minutes maybe right. max. I mean, the rest of it was pretty much. It depends. If you, have you ever had a burn on your fingers or anything or mm -hmm. any portion of your body? Those are worse. Those are worse. Yeah. But it's the initial, I mean, they may only last about 20 seconds, but it's the 20 seconds of the most excruciating hell a person could probably go through. Mm. Um, so, so level five is, I, I don't even want to think about what there, that is. Well, death, because there is no level five. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, did they mention on the uh, the one for the uh, the fourth one? Uh, there's an uh, an ant called the cow killer, which I was able to catch back in my 1970 on our trip to uh, Tennessee. Uh, it's a big ant about this big. It's red and black, beautiful, sucker. and it's, it's got, got hair. Yes, or and fur it, on yes, it. and it's got a stinger that's about a quarter of an inch or half an inch long. And I pulled it out in my collection so you can see it. But supposedly that's supposed to be a feel like a they series want, of electrical shocks or something is what they described it, you know, 50 years ago. But. I used to live in Southern California. We had fire ants. Oh, yeah. And those suckers, I'm telling you, yeah. I, the only thing that would relieve the pain, my grandmother took mixed water, soda, baking soda, and salt. And then basically oh, wow. put it on it. It drew out the venom. Okay. But now when you're talking about the cow killer... You, and it's a solitary insect also. It's an ant without wings. It's a female without wings, so you Wait, don't... Okay, you mean a female bee, wasp it's, without it's wings? It's an ant. No, it's an ant. Okay, it's in some the ant ants family. have wings. Yeah, but those are queens. I was going to go there. Right. Now, normally uh, ants, when they're done mating and they're ready to start a hive, they cut their wings the off. The wings off, and then and they then, go and do that. Yeah. Every autumn or every spring, you'll see the, fly, see the, the, the ant, the flying ants, and those yeah. are all prospective queens for... Right. Or, well, and the drones. Well, the drones and the queens in there. The males and the females come out with wings and how, go, how is go it do that, their dance. How but, is it that an ant then is related to the mud dauber or wasp? Well, if you look at their shape of their wing, I, I can't remember how they, but it's, oh, what did they call it? That? Um, but their wings are the same same shape. So, as, as a wasp? Yes. They're, Do they have the thorax, the thin thing, yes, and then the, same, the big yes, ass? Yes, yes. All right. <laughs> yes. So the, you were asking about the pain level. Pain level four for Schmidt's original index rated only one example, and that was a bullet ant. What? Oh, yeah. And then he later gave uh, a warrior wasp a rating of four. Descri are they, are they describing? Listen, listen. Describing it as torture. You are you are <laughs> wow. chained in a flow of active volcano. Well, that, okay. Saying that pain lasts up to two hours. So oh. so if if you're into Forget waterboarding, if you're into ghost peppers, the Scoville <laughs> scale, go 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 get stung by a warrior wasp and see. Why do people do this? I mean, this guy is obviously. He's Demented. doing this for science? <laughs> so, Demented, yeah. So these bees, uh, how can the gardening community uh, relate as far as either helping them or how, I mean, obviously those bees are going to help the gardener with pollination. I mean, do you have any suggestions on how gardeners can assist the bees? 
Um, well, um, they've been pushing in the last oh, 10 years or so these um, um, bee houses. They have that you can make, basically, you can make yourself one. Just get some blocks of wood, drill some holes in different sizes, and hang them up in a tree. Um, and that will attract them to your neighborhood. Um, uh, now, that, that, that's an attractant for them for the purpose of, but I mean, inside the garden itself, what is the benefit of the insect? Now you said you didn't you could you didn't find one meandering through, but I've got friends and Scott I, here has got things where they're all over the place. But well, are they benefiting the garden? Are they benefiting humanity? Are we supposed to be helping? Okay, uh, yellow jackets and hornets—they eat caterpillars. You know, of course, they're probably not indiscriminate as to good, bad, or pests well, sure, or whatever. Sure, um, but they eat those. Um, like I said, they pollinate flowers. But those, so, are, but so those are basically they're. I want to say carnivores, but they're 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 eating um, well, insects. Well, yes, they're eating insects. Um, they take the chewed up caterpillar back to their babies, you know, and regurgitate them, you know, and all that good stuff, you know. That's is is there a bee that it's okay to say I don't want this bee around ever, and I'm going to kill them? Well, I think well, that's what basically has left. Gardening to a point where we have become so reliant upon pesticides and fungicides and nutrients that where if we can draw them back in, they can become self-sustaining in the garden and help us. I mean, I got friends that are now growing certain things that are illegal in Ohio, but in Michigan that are definitely, they've got pollinators mixed in there with it. So they have the bees, hornets, and wasps in there to get rid of all of the other bad stuff. So I'm wondering, Gary, like Scott said, is there a benefit to uh, drawing these guys in? Well, I, I'm thinking so. Of course, I raise flowers to attract bugs. didn't matter whether it's bees or, you know, whatever. That's what I originally started out doing is planting sunflowers and pumpkins to attract all those things. Um, but, I mean, for a gardener, yeah. I mean, uh, it's just biodiversity, you know, and uh, as long as that yellow jacket nest is not in the path where it's going up to your house and someone's going to get stung, you know. Um, yellow jackets do have a tendency to um, find a hole in the house and make a nest inside um, your walls. So one of the things I I don't like to kill them if per se just because, you know, they're quasi good thing. But if you're allergic to them or they're in your path on your way to your door, you probably don't want them there. So... Um, I have witnessed where uh, a nest inside the wall occasionally has a few figure out how to get from the wall into your house and they're flying around and you're flying at the light or the window. And um, you go out and find them outside. You found their little hole. I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to get that 12-foot bug spray and spray them. Goes off on a right angle, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the thing is you probably don't want to do that, mainly because if you probably aren't going to get stung by the ones that you're going to kill there. But if they're inside the wall, you may not kill them all. The ones in the back part of the nest, and they're going to be madder than a hornet. And they're going to probably anything. going to be finding that way that those other couple or two got into your house, and you're going to have three times as many madder and hornets inside your house. Best to do it at daytime or nighttime if you're going to uh, If Well, if you want to do it at night, uh, that would be the best because they're all going to be there. Oh, but like I right. said, um, if you're going to need to get it done, um, a professional will probably be best. Um, but one of the things, uh, if it's just a yellow jacket nest and it's in uh, October and it's not in, in your path where you're going to get hit every time you walk, um, I would let it go until um, frost time. That nest is going to die out. Eventually, all the workers will die, and uh, you'll just have to plug up that hole for next year so they don't come in next year. So hornets, bees, wasps, ants are beneficial. Oh, yeah. All the way across the board. I'm sure and every— So we've one. got to educate. This is what partially what you're doing, and we've got to—you know, we're, we're gradually growing listeners. But there are, there are other insects, uh, bees that are out there I'd like to educate, and we're not going to know each one of them. Honeybees, basically, those are imported, weren't they? Yes, they were from, uh, the, I don't know, the Middle East or wherever. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, but yeah, they found out that hey, these guys make honey. Let's you know let's so they brought them, them over here. They, and of course, they found out that they pollinate just about everything. You know, they said a third of our food supply. Yes, the, I've heard a third also. Aaron on the last show from uh, uh, Iowa State was talking about he won uh, had a lot of questions about trees and stuff. And I have learned that the uh, blue orchard mason bee. He, okay, go ahead. Is a very efficient pollinator for fruit trees. So if you have fruit trees. Blue orchard? Blue orchard mason bee. I thought a mason bee was something that would burrow into like concrete or brick. <laughs> no, he makes a mud nest, kind of like a, 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 a mud wasp. There's 140 Varieties, varieties or species technically but you know so if you've got a lot of fruit trees you somehow learn how to attract the blue orchard mason well now yeah but there's indiscriminate spraying because they're saying the center for disease control for mosquitoes have you been bitten by a mosquito this year Mm-mm. Mm-mm. i haven't either not one but they were indiscriminately spraying I don't know what it is. In the old days, it used to be malathion. But prior to that, they were spraying DDT. Do you remember when you were a kid running through that stuff? I well, did. I don't know if it was DDT in the 60s. It was late 60s. Okay. Yeah, the big fall. Well, I don't know if I ran through it. but um, You were one of the smart we, ones. We ran the other direction. Okay, see, we ran into it and wrote it. Yeah, we thought it was cool. But now, I mean, that birds would fall out of the air. I mean, it was it was awful. We didn't know what it was. But now... I mean, there's, I don't know, they're maybe doing pyrethrin, which is a organic substance that they use that doesn't basically kill or isn't supposed to do any harm to other insects. Or does it? It does. Um, I'm just wondering, in order to counter that, what kind of plants do we use to draw them in? Do you, did you? I have a list. You do. God's got that so much. So <laughs> here is a, a ideal garden bee habitat. We'll, 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 We're gonna write we'll, these we'll down. We'll see if we'll see if Gary likes these. So milkweed, mountain mint, okay, and these ice up. Yep, sedum, lavender, blanket flowers, okay, cone flowers, okay. sunflower, aster, yep, bee balm, yep. <laughs> hey, that was a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Blueberry, serviceberry, elderberry. And uh, just fruit trees, apples, pears. Oh, yeah. Amalacar is a service berry that's, that tastes just like blueberries, but they grow like 40 feet tall. Um, wow. Uh, I, well, I, I knew most, I know most of those. Um, I don't have all of them in my yard. Um, I do have milkweed. The only problem with regular milkweed, the large leaf like or the, or the, the reg- uh, I don't know what they call it, uh, the milkweed that monarchs are associated okay. with. There's a swamp milkweed that, doesn't spread like regular milkweed, um, but I've never seen caterpillars on it. So, but um, and, and well, that's another subject that yeah, I want to talk right. to you about maybe March next too. year during the yeah. spring. But in this, in the, in the meantime, now that doesn't mean that you have to absolutely stick to the the milkweed, the mountain mint, um, the anise. Now, that's something that people used to in, in the, the surfs and way back when used to make terribly tasting cookies. A N I S E. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's it, it. If it's what they made those cookies out of for the Christmas holiday, <laughs> they're terrible. Um, sedum, lavender. I mean, all of that stuff right there. But it's not. I didn't. I other than the fruit trees, I didn't seem to see anything that was like a pollinator for vegetables. I mean. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any vegetables in there that you can bring in, but they do go to the. The flower, the vegetables, for instance, tomatoes have a flower. Anything that's going to have a fruit is going to have a flower to it. So, in essence, you can basically, you mix those. What we're discovering right now is you're mixing these these plants in with your vegetable garden or your farm. We used to keep them separate just to strictly grow because that's when we'd spray the insecticides, the herbicides, whatever. Um, now we're using cultural methods of control. But now get back to the ants, the bees, the, the wasps. Anything else you want to tell us right now that we should know before we park away everything for the wintertime? Yellow jackets, paper wasps. They um, die out? 
the queens go and are underneath rocks and logs. And, They'll hide under that stuff. Until next year, yeah. So. All right. I don't know if I've ever actually found any under leaves, but then again, I can't say that I've really looked through leaves. To so it sounds like the key to me is for wintering is that honey needs to be that 60 degrees. So, that so, it doesn't so it's all, so, yes. It's, and basically you're feeding the queen and whatever workers are there, whatever are, workers are left over then, to help in the springtime. And then the early, and then feeding the early brood, it's, you know, starting to get ready to uh, grow, to come out and, yeah. and assist all the ones that are going to die. Because the overwintering ones are probably going to last six months, the, the workers. And then spring, uh, when they start working their butts off. So um, in a honey beehive, the only ones that are really essential are all the females that do all the, the work, including right. the queen. Right. The guys are laid back out there, and all they're doing are their baby makers, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So... It sounds like it's a, a better thing to be a winter bee because you live for six months versus a summer worker bee who this, lives for six weeks. Well, you sound like Miss Robbins from, you know, Romper Stomper Room. Do, no. do be a don't be or don't be a do be? Oh, no, no. Uh, before we wrap up, before you came, because of the recording <laughs> again, Mike, uh, Gary and I were chatting, and he also studied frogs and stuff like that. Right. So I want to touch on just a real quick, almost, almost to a tease for a show next spring or something like that. Uh, frogs, how are they, how do they help the garden and, uh, and where can we, how can we attract frogs? frogs I can't believe I'm saying this because yeah. <laughs> I have a couple, I, I assume I've seen over the years in my house in this toads, area. American toads, probably the little brown yeah. Yeah, with, dark with the warts on them. Yeah. Yes, yes. American toads. Okay. Yes. No, those are those are those they, are insane. They're hurt. They're ins now they sound like that. Yes, and they also sound similar to a cricket. But you know that's a. You know, that's but they but also anyway. feed on insects. They do. Um, and if you get to the bullfrogs, I've heard they've even feed on birds, rodents. birds, rodents, and, rodents and birds. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, because they're big enough. We had one in our yard that was. About this big this year. But now how do they venture in helping? Do you want to attract them? I know. Uh, well, I mean, do we do we want to attract them near the garden? I would think so because I would consider that to be a healthy environment all the way around. Right. right. It's kind of like you find salamanders underneath of the dead logs. If you can find that, if you can find the frog, if you can find the toad. Now, the difference between a toad and a frog. If you have the toad and the frog, the salamanders, all that other stuff, that you have a complete cycle then, don't you? Because certain frogs are going to eat indiscriminately insects. Right. Um, certain insects are going to eat indiscriminately other insects. Um, there are predator insects like a ladybug that'll eat mostly aphids. Right. But, are... you know, if you have the frog there, I think that completes the cycle. But he asked Gary yes. what he thought. Well, I want to know what frog or toads that um, I should try to attract to a garden. Um, well, most of them... Um, will need uh, a pond to lay their eggs in. So that would be the first requirement for a more permanent, you know. Um, they come in in the spring, mate, uh, sing, mate, lay eggs, tad tadpoles come out, and then they're running around your yard getting cut up by the lawnmower and different things like that. Yeah. Uh, as long as they stay in the, in the garden, you know, they should be okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but American toads are probably the only one that's going to hang around that you'll be able to see because they don't need water the rest of the year um the tree frogs and spring peepers you know they're out in the in the weeds too the only ones that require water all the time would be the green frogs and the bullfrogs um around here uh, but most of the rest of them come out do their mating go back into the woods weeds whatever um because I have a I have a wooded area back behind yeah. my okay design landscape and I'm sure that's where he's coming from and oh, you have one. You have a resident frog? I don't know if it's a resident, but I get those brown ones, like Gary yeah. said, the American toad, all the time for years here. Well, yeah, Ooh, that's cool. So, yeah, I wish I had them in my backyard yeah. all the time. <laughs> so, I, I mean. That's definitely a benefit. I mean. Well, yeah, but how do, how do I get more of them? If, um, if they're going to, you know, and because you said they're non-selective in their insect eating. eating. Correct. So. 
they're going to eat the good and the bad right. as far as a gardener is right. concerned. Right. Um, now, um, toads um, are the most transient breeders around. Um, they'll take a pond over here that just comes up for a couple of weeks and lay eggs in there. Um, so I'm assuming you have a pond. If you've heard them, yeah. Well, the thrill. It, and here's how I'll help you. That in my sump pump goes out, and I don't drain it to the street. I just drain it to the back part of the woods. Okay. So that's that's there's that's the so, water yeah. source. So in the spring, they would uh, be there for a few weeks and you know do their stuff and. Mm -hmm. So in other words, to answer Scott's question, is there a benefit to the frogs in your property, and how do you track them? They are a benefit. They're indiscriminate insect eaters. Um, but they're just plain cool. They're, they're cool also. <laughs> they sing. I mean, and as a grandparent, you got a grandson now. Sully's going to be coming over. you got to have everything ready for him to go and investigate the territory. There you go. <laughs> Hi, Gary Lovell. Gary Lovell, who happens to be the extraordinary, well, I was going to say entomologist, unofficial, but he's also a, an expert in reptiles. You're an expert on all sorts of really neat things. You even, Brad, next year I want to talk about the praying mantis that you marked to make sure that she came back and how long she lived. You took it, you did a test run and she lived indoors all winter, didn't she? Oh, that was one of them. Yeah. I had two of them outside, but yeah, it was interesting. She laid a couple eggs in there. Um, I don't, I don't think I got her to mate, but she could have made it outside yeah. uh, before I brought her in. Um, but you know, that can be a whole new, you know, a whole long story too, but all right. But anyway, thank you for that, Gary. Do you have a current picture of your swollen lip that we can post? I have a picture. <laughs> Not so sure I want to post it. <laughs> Gary, before we close, why don't you give us the website for that Bible that you have for the for uh, uh, the, the wasps and hornets? Uh, well, it's just ohiodnr.gov slash wildlife slash documents publications. Oh, okay. I'll just put the uh, the link in the uh, show notes if anybody's looking for oh, cool. All right. this pamphlet that Gary has. What's the pamphlet called, Gary? Common Bees and Wasps of Ohio, Field Guide, Division of Wildlife. You got to go back to Ohio State or Michigan State and become an entomologist, man. I mean, you know, you, you're full of it. Uh, uh, good stuff. Not, I didn't mean that. Oh, Lordy. All right. Um, Gary, thank you. I'm going to, can you give me three steps before we leave here today? And uh, uh, Give me three steps. Uh, Leonard Skinner. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's it. Thank you, Gary right. Lovell. Okay. We're going right. to ask well, you to you. come back more and more with your expertise, right. both on anything, the frogs, the toads, the... The other bugs that are out there. Singing insects, yeah. frogs and toads, and we can have some recordings too. So How to attract them and we'll go from there. All right. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you very Gary. much for inviting me. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.